Man, go ahead, have a seat. Usher's going to come forward. Let's give out how God has given to us because it's all from him and it's all for him. Uh, two things I want to bring your attention to that you should have been handed uh, as you walked in. One of those is a celebration service that we're doing at 3 p.m. today uh, at our building to bring you up to speed and everything has happened in almost two years or a year and a half. Uh, last July, we closed escrow on a piece of property at Kings Canyon and Bergen, which is halfway between Fowler and Armstrong. Uh, and for the last year and a half, we've been waiting, doing a slow dance with the city uh, to get our permits pushed through and they're pushed through. Construction is starting. And so we're gonna gather at the building today, 3 p.m., half an hour to look around, eat hors d'oeuvres, coffee, water, stuff like that, and half an hour to just give thanks to God and recognize what he He's done to get it this far and tell him everything we want him to get done like yesterday uh, so that we could be in there sooner rather than later. Uh, it's going to be three o'clock to four o'clock at the building. It's not supposed to rain. Uh, so if you get out of here and it looks bad, it's supposed to be clear by four. I'm excited for that and I encourage you to join me because it'll be a really great day for us as a church, uh, recognizing being there on the ground, seeing, okay, God, this is, uh, this is what's happening. It's great. I'm excited. Uh, second thing you should have been handed is this as you walked in. Uh, it's Christmas season. Everybody's got their wish list. And for those of us who are looking at what does year-end giving look like for us, for tax purposes, for, for life purposes, for gratitude to Jesus purposes, uh, that's where this comes in. You open it up, uh, and right away there are some world giving opportunities. So things that Mountain View is involved in uh, around the world, two of them are highlighted uh, Christmas outreaches that are happening. And one of them is in Myanmar, which is in Southeast Asia. There's some work that we fund there that happens big around Christmas time. If you're interested in giving at the year end, uh, some of it can go to Myanmar. Some of it also can go to Turkey. We want to plant another church in Turkey because one thing Turkey needs is more churches. So we want to be part of that. We've got an asset there on the ground who's uh, excited about planting churches there. And so we want to fund that as much as we can. Um, you open up the rest of that. Uh, and there's a lot of Sunnyside stuff in there uh, because, again, we've got a building that's being built, uh, and that uh, gives us an opportunity to be generous and an opportunity to ask God, okay, what do you want me to give? Uh, and then faithfully follow forward in that. So there are tons of options, and all of them relate to things that we'll experience uh, once we get to the building, once we move in. Because as you drive in, you're going to want to park your car in a parking lot. That would be very helpful. Right now, you'll see today, nobody's parking in our parking lot because it is quite hazardous to get there. Uh, part of making drainage and stuff like that work meant that we had to redo a lot of the underground stuff as you get there. Uh, so it's a little bit bumpy getting into the parking lot. And once we get there, uh, we're going to want to fix a lot of it. We need to expand it greatly uh, to fit fire code and also to fit us code uh, because the amount of parking spots that are already there will be filled with just the people who volunteer before first service starts. So even before we start, we are already at max capacity uh, for the parking lot. So we're going to increase that uh, in big ways, uh, and that's going to cost money. So if you're thinking, man, I would love to have a parking spot, you can buy your own parking spot. It won't put a sign up or anything like that, uh, but it'll go towards the 94 parking spots that are going to be in there once it's up to code, once it's done. Or if you're thinking, man, I'd love to buy all of the uh, 100, uh, it's 103 parking stalls, there's an option for that in there also. Uh, so you park. You walk in, and as soon as you get in there, you'd love to have a place like out there uh, with the weird mural around the wall uh, of stuff to like, okay, this is what it is to be at Mountain View Sunnyside. You'd love to be welcomed in a welcoming entryway. 
that doesn't exist right now whatsoever. It is a huge mud pit hole in the ground uh, because it's going to get built. And you can say, okay, I want to give towards that. I love places that are welcoming. I want to give towards that. And so there's an option uh, there to give toward the entryway. You walk in, worship team's playing. You're thinking, man, I've been standing all day. I would love to sit. We have no chairs, okay? And nobody wants to sit on concrete because that's not nearly as much fun uh, as sitting in a chair. And so you can say, I'm going to buy my chair. So there's an option to buy your chair there. You give money, we will buy a chair. And you can look at one of the chairs out there and say, man, that is mine. Uh, If financial reality is different for you and you want to buy all 300 chairs, uh, there's an option there where you can buy 300 chairs. So the worship team's playing. You're thinking, man, this is a really cool song. Love to know what the words are because I don't know the words. Uh, One of the things that we're going to have to do is put in a whole new audio-visual system uh, with speakers, with lights, uh, with screens that will display everything. And so you can give towards that. And if you're like me and you've got kids who love to run around and don't like to sit still, you'd love to be able to take them to a kids' ministry building that is well put together, that's well furnished and stuff like that. And so you can buy books and toys for the kids is one option. Or if you want to furnish the whole kids' ministry option or whole kids' ministry area, there's some other options for that. There's tons of things in here that have a very wide range uh, of financial aptitude or financial, I can get this done. And I don't think anyone here needs to fill every single one. What I want us to do in this is to take this, look at an opportunity to be generous as the year ends to your local church or to God's church globally, and just ask God the question, okay, Lord, of all these things, what do you want me to give towards? How much do you want me to give? Because God knows your situation. One of the things we're going to look at today is that God knows each and every one of us and knows our books way better than we do. And he also wants to stretch us in the area of generosity. So if we ask him, God, what do you want me to give towards this year? What do you want my difference, my impact in this to look like? He's going to give us a number that is absolutely perfect for us. And then our job is to walk through that, follow that through faithfully, give what God has called us to give, move stuff around where he needs to move stuff around or where we need to move stuff around, uh, and then see God provide for us more than we could ever ask or imagine. So that, that's here. This is stuff that we're giving to toward the end or before the end of the year, before December 31st. And what I want to say very clearly, very publicly as we talk about this and as we talk about all of construction in general as we move in and spend money and all that stuff is if you have any questions talk to me Uh, Sunday morning you know I'm running around crazy but if you've got questions let me know I want to talk to you if it's not on Sunday morning we will call we will have coffee we will talk one thing I want to be totally transparent and one one thing I want to be as we spend lots of money and move into the building is a million percent transparent if I don't know the answer I will tell you that I don't make stuff up I will tell you I don't know and then I'll figure it out or loop you in on the conversation of the person from whom I am figuring it out uh, and we'll get from there So that's my piece. Let's be a church that asks Jesus, okay, what do you want us to give this year? What do you want us to give as we look at the new buildings, we look toward moving in uh, and see God work in us and stretch us even around our finances uh, at the end of the year. So that's that. Uh, Everybody realizes, everybody knows, you can see the stuff around here. It is Christmas time. We're going to start a series uh, looking at five songs in the book of Luke that get our hearts ready for Christmas. Because there's preparation that happens for Christmas like no other holiday, uh, and it starts early. It starts really early. In my mind, and I've got to back up on this to make sure that this doesn't happen to our kids, uh, is in my mind, Christmas should begin 
around December 16th, all right? No tree, no lights, no songs, no mall with Santa in it and stuff like that. Nothing before it's December 16th. And the reason that I say this is college, right? College is the reason that I am Grinch on patrol, no trees up until December 16th because, and some of you are in the middle of this reality, you come back from Thanksgiving, and it is not Christmas season, all right? You're full of turkey. You've just watched 29 hours of football, praise be to God. You come back, and what you're faced with in the middle of your face is finals. That is an unacceptable F word that should never be audited. Like, it's just bad. You come back from finals, and everybody's singing, it's beginning to look a lot like I'm going to fail all of my classes, and this whole part of life is over because finals are about to happen. I remember my freshman year of, of doing poorly in college. Uh, I came back from Christmas or came back from Thanksgiving. We're, uh, my roommate and I, we are full on asleep. It is December 1st at 6 a.m. in the morning, which if you're a college kid, you know that time does not exist. 6 a.m. doesn't happen unless you're still up. Uh, and the phone rings. It was a landline that was plugged into the wall. You can't silence it or put it on do not disturb like we can with our cell phones now. Uh, and it rang four times because nobody's getting up to answer a phone call at 6 a.m. in the morning. And we used to have these things. They're called answering machines. They sit on top of a desk. And instead of just recording your mail digitally, uh, they record it and blast it through a speaker. So we got to hear my roommate's mom singing Christmas carols to us at 6 a.m., on December 1st. That's not of God, in my opinion. In her mind, it was totally time for Christmas. And me, I'm like, no, not at all. So we get married, Anna and I, after a while. We have kids. And this December 16th thing no longer exists. It can't happen for us. Uh, she is day after Christmas, that, or day after Thanksgiving, that has put everything up. And I'm like, bah humbug. But I also like to be happy. So I got to change. I got to make some changes. Uh, we're looking at our calendar this year. Uh, and I knew that we were going to get back from seeing our churches in Germany on the day after Christmas or day after Thanksgiving. And nobody wants to fly in, uh, land, deal with lost luggage, get home at 9 p.m. after waking up at like 1 a.m. if you work all the time, changes and stuff like that up, and then set up Christmas. So I'm looking at our calendar and I realize... To much pain of myself, the only day, the best day for us to set up Christmas is going to be November 18th. To set up Christmas on November 18th, that's like a full-on month behind what I feel like is acceptable. And so I am literally sweating as I put up the Christmas tree in shorts and a t-shirt. That's not what God had in mind. He was like, let's make trees. Let's make it cold. Let's make you set them up. And I'm like, no, this is bad. But the thing is, is it gets us ready for Christmas. Anna came home, she saw the tree, she's happy. We let the kids decorate it. And the thing about the kids decorating it is they only decorate what they can see. So if you look at our tree right now, there's a stripe down the middle of decorations. And that is all. There's nothing around the sides, there's nothing up very high. It's just right down the middle because that's what they see, that's what they care about. The stuff that we're looking at for the next few weeks is getting our hearts ready for Christmas. More than, a, more than a tree, more than gifts, more than stuff on the wall. It is getting our hearts ready for Christmas. And the first thing, first one of these that we're going to look at is from Mary. Mary embodies what I think so many people in our church are living through this year. And that is when you're going through life and the bottom drops out. Bottom drops out. And you're left and a new place, and a new phase of life, having to put everything back together. I've been with you two years, four months, conveniently two days. Thank you to August 1st to December 8th. That's really easy. Or August 6th to December 8th. That's really easy math. 
and from the conversations with you, from the stuff that Anna and I and our pastoral team have walked through, I feel like more people are carrying more hurt right now than at any other point in the last two years, four months, and two days. And so as we look at the life of Mary today, this is perfect. This is right on time because there are so many people within our church family where this has been a year you want to forget. And Mary is a great example. We're going to look at her history in just a little bit. But Mary is somebody that God kind of happened to. Right? What, what, makes her, what brings her into the Bible, which, what makes her a name that people like us remember and makes her a statue and an icon that people look at and gets known by her first name is something that she had nothing to do with. Something where life happened to her. And in the midst of that, in the middle of all of that mess, she comes out of it in a way where she is closer to God than she was before. I look at that and I look at us and I, I think of the texts and the stories and the phone calls and the counseling and stuff that, that we're walking through as a church. And I think this is the perfect story for us because she walked through a mess, through a disaster that she did not cause and came out of it closer to Jesus. So let's check this out. This is Mary's story. This is Luke 1, starting in verse 26. So God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So Mary, she goes from this place of, of being unmarried, engaged to a, a man that she loves, that she wants to spend her life with, and an angel shows up one day and says, you're going to have a child, and it's not from your fiancé. It's from God. He's going to live, and the baby is going to grow up inside of you and cause people to be made right with God. And she runs. She goes to be with her relative. And at one point, they're talking, and the relative says to her, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. That's a good word for us. You know, for those of you who are walking through a phase of life where the bottom dropped out, my prayer for you is that you can look back at this and hear the voice of God saying to you, you're blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. That we're going to be a people that run to God in the middle of a mess instead of running from God. And the reason we can do that, the reason that God is even worth running to, because if you're here and you don't know God, this just sounds like a bunch of advice. It sounds like a long to-do list. It sounds like a weird relationship for you to cultivate and create with somebody that you don't know or understand. I want to talk to you today about who God is because that's what Mary answers for us. She answers for us today, who is God and why should this matter for us? And the first thing that Mary, a teenager, unmarried, finds herself pregnant, what in the world is going on? The first thing she shows to us is that God is all caring. God is all caring. This is even in the beginning, the description of, of who the angel Gabriel is going to talk to. He has to specify where she lives. 
She lives in Nazareth. Nobody has a clue where that is. And then so Luke has to specify it's a village in Galilee. Oh, okay, that's right. Apple Maps probably can't get you there. You have to find it on Google Maps. And they'll tell you, okay, this is where it is. And with God, God knew exactly who it was. God knew exactly who he was talking to. He knew exactly who he was dealing with. Because one thing about Christmas, one thing about God, is that the greatness of God isn't displayed in his isolation from us, of his distance from us, of God is way over here, God does things this way, and then we're over here and we're stuck trying to find our way to God. No, that's not the greatness of God. The greatness of God is displayed in the intimacy of God, that God picks a person that nobody else would have thought of in a tiny little village, finds a girl living in poverty, who trusts God enough to believe what he says and to do do what he tells her to do. And Christmas is intimacy with God in in HD. It's the life-size screen that wraps around you that displays to us God's love for us. That displays to us the fact that we're not doing life alone, but in fact we're doing life. This is what we believe as Christians around this time is that God that God took on skin, that God came and lived among us to live like us, to live better than we could ever live, to bring us into a relationship with God. He is all caring. Christmas displays that, that we are worth to God. We are worth God leaving heaven to come and live limited, painful, eventually physically suffering for us to display to us and to remind us that we matter to an all caring God. That's what Christmas is. And Mary's the first one to know this. She's the first one to know this. The angel shows up to her and says, you matter to God. And not only do you matter, but God is pleased with you. He's encouraging her. He's affirming her even before she has any idea of what God is about to do through her or about to say to her. He's reminding her, you matter. And God looks at each of us the same way. He sees the year that we've brought in here. He sees the things that we've tried to run through, tried to run from tried to get through by the skin of our teeth, and he says, I see you, you matter, and I can work in you this year. Mary's the first one to know that, the intimate love of God, and she's also the first one to know the pain involved in following Jesus, because for her, this angel showing up, saying everything is about to change because you're gonna have a baby. For some of you, that's great news. For some of you, that's what you've been praying for. But in her reality, she's not married, and in her culture, that relationship is gonna end, and her life could end. For her, this is bad news, or it could be bad news, but it doesn't end up, it doesn't stay bad news, it doesn't stay scary news, because God cares about you. And at one point, Mary erupts in a song, and that, that's what we're going to look at today. And she demonstrates, or she displays what she passes on to us, two things that get our hearts ready for Christmas. As we look at the gifts, as we look at the trees, we look at the decorations, we, we look at a culture whose hearts are turned a little bit more to God than they usually are because Christmas is the story of God becoming human to live like us and bring us to him. Mary reminds us that God cares about us. Verse 46, she begins singing, And it says, as Mary sang, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She's saying the creator cares about you and cares about me and that gives us value beyond and in spite of and over and on top of everything else that anyone else could ever say about us. That there's a God in heaven that cares about us individually. God cares about you. I I hear this, and and my natural reaction isn't to say, okay, great, I can do whatever I want. 
My natural reaction is, is to throw it back. Say, you know what, I, I understand that you care about me, but I know you'd care about me more if I could fix this thing. I know you could care about me more if I, I wasn't this way. I know you could care about me more if, if I could talk better to my kids. You know, yeah, I'd care about, you'd care about me more if my relationship with Anna was better. I know you'd care about me more if I, I did my job better. I know you'd care about me more. And all of us have those things in our life where God reminds us, I love you. I care about you. It's Christmas time. It's me loving you to the point where I'm going to take on skin and I'm going to live like you to bring you to me. And for all of us, there's a pushback. There's a brake pedal where you say, yeah, but God, you don't understand this part of me. God, I, I don't want to talk to you because you know everything about all this stuff. Okay, the truth of the matter, and God displays this perfectly in Mary and displays this perfectly throughout the Christmas story, is that if God only worked with perfect people, God would be unemployed. Right? He would not ever work. There would be no work to get done. He couldn't do anything because God builds his kingdom through imperfect people. So if he's going to do that, Christmas shows us as God builds life and builds a story and builds a mission to bring people like us to him, that we matter to God, that you individually matter to God. God is all caring and he zooms in on you and shows you that specifically because God cares about you. Secondly, God cares about us. Zoom out. Goes from individuals to now a whole globe that God wants to bring to himself. 2,000 years before God began making promises to Mary, God made promises to a guy named Abraham, who he and his wife had long since given up on having kids. And in that day, there weren't just non-kid people. It was a sign of distance from God. It was a sign that you had done something wrong. So he and his wife carried this with them every single day. And God shows up one day, and he says this to Abraham. It's going to pop on the screen. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and, I, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So what happens is, is through time, the wife becomes pregnant, and she gives birth to a baby. And through that baby, this whole nation of God is birthed. And as it talks about you'll be a blessing to the whole world, that's a blessing to us. If you call yourself a Christian, you've been blessed by what God did, by a promise that God made to somebody who had long since given up on God's ability to come through on his promises. Because God cares about us. There's a plan from God from the beginning of time that through Jesus, he's going to work to bring all people to himself, and that includes us. You're not just an accident. You're not just you doing life. You are, a, you are part of a community of people that God chose, that God sees, and God wants to bring to himself through Jesus. About 1,400 years later, there's another person named Isaiah, and God makes a, makes a promise to him that points directly to Jesus. It says this, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. And Isaiah continues, He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. It's God promising through a poor unwed teenage girl, you can trust me. I'm caring enough to make this stuff happen. I know enough. I am powerful enough. I'm caring enough to hold your life in my hands and carry you through a year you want to forget. He does that through Mary. He reminds us of that through Mary. 
Second thing he reminds us of is God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. I think the phrase that, that sums this up best is, is exemplified perfectly in, in the life of Mary. And you say, and it, it's the fact that the virgin is pregnant. That's Mary's first question. She's like, how can this happen? Because I'm a virgin. This, this thing hasn't happened in my life yet. And we can, you know, we can zoom out from that and say, you know what, with science and stuff, you, we can make this happen in a lab. There was no science. God just says, boom, you're going to be pregnant. Conception happens. And Jesus begins to grow inside of his virgin mom. Because God is about this. We look at our lives and you're like, you know what, God, I don't know how you can put X and Y together, how these things in my life will ever make sense again. I think this relationship is gone. I think this part of my life is gone. I think this struggle is just here with me forever. And God says, you know what, I made a virgin pregnant. So you get back to following me and I will figure out your life. I will iron that out. It gives us hope. It gives us hope that through a teenage girl in a know-nothing town and a family living in poverty, God works through her to bring the world to himself because he's all-powerful. And within that, God flexes against proud people. God's got this thing with pride. God is running. He is close to people who realize their need for him. And for those of us who say, you know what, I got this, I'm good, God fights against that. Mary sees that. Mary's the perfect one to see that because she has nothing and she looks at God for everything. At the end of it, she says, may your word to me be fulfilled. That's the end of her conversation with the angel. She's like, all right, you're the boss. I look at this and I say, this is going to mess up my whole life. You read this through Mary's eyes and the angel is saying, everything is going to be ruined. Your fiance that you love, gone. Your family, gone. Your city that protects you and feeds you and gives you a place to stay, gone. You will probably die for this. But there's a powerful God at work in the midst of it. There's a powerful God in the midst of it and that not only saves her life, but through her life brings salvation to the entire world. And so Mary sings, God has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Sending the rich away from empty, taking the rulers off their thrones. This isn't something that God does vindictively. But he does it to save us from thinking that we don't need God. He does it to save us from, from thinking that our lives are self-made, that our security is self-secure, that we're good on our own. We can be our own savior, that God is good for people with problems. But you know, for me, I'm good. God saves us from that. And sometimes that means that there are little things in our lives that take a ding while God holds us in the palm of his hand, protecting our hearts. He's willing to let us walk through pain. He's willing to let us walk through difficulty. He's willing to let things that we do or things that have been done to us bring us back to the reality that we need God. And if you sit here in this morning, in the middle of a year that you want to forget, where life has happened to you, where somebody else's bad decisions have happened to you, where pain has happened to you, where life sucks right now, that's confirmation for us that we need God. It's confirmation for us that our hearts, it's okay to feel brokenhearted this time of year because what Christmas is is a reminder of our God who is caring for us and our God who is powerful in us to bring us through a bad year, to bring us through a period that we want to forget for us to come out the other side closer to God. To remind us of our need for our own forgiveness, to remind us of our need for our peace, to remind us of our need for leadership, 
So if God flexes against proud people, if he fights against proud, proud people, God saves humble people. Mary, a humble girl, she says that God has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. It's such a great model, you know, of a person who doesn't have it all together, but she says, okay, God, you're doing this. I'm going to follow. This is what you're telling me. I believe it's going to happen. I'm going to walk the road that you have laid out for me. She's going to be faithful to do it. And this serves as an example for us. What's God like? What's the God behind Christmas like? Well, we know that he's caring because he picks out Mary. He notices Mary in the middle of a know-nothing city from a know-nothing family. He notices her and he works through her the same way that he notices us. Knowing our pain, knowing our, our, what we're going through in the middle of a year that we might want to forget. He notices us. And carries us through. And as we bring our issues, as God recognizes our issues, as God notices our issues, he also notices that every ounce of reparation, every ounce of restoration and repair, and putting our hearts back together, and putting our lives and bodies back together, is things that God can do. It's things that God can work in and through and around our lives. And so this Christmas, God invites us to rejoice with him. It's Christmas. It's the season of God putting on skin to remind you of the fact that you matter to God. Not your best self, not one day self, but today self. In the middle of sin, in the middle of addiction, in the middle of struggle, in the middle of a year that you don't want to think about, you matter to God. And that whatever situation we find ourselves in, that we don't think we can do anything about it. That God loves us and God has the power to make right anything that's ever been broken. Let's stand and pray.